What's up, guys? Welcome to a bonus episode of Unpopular. I have been in bed for the last day and a half, I think, because I had my first vaccination, finally, and it really fucked me up. I was surprised how bad the side effects were, honestly. I was not expecting it to be that extreme, but it did only last probably for like 12 hours was the worst of it, and then I came out of it, but... Jesus Christ, it was a lot. Uh, Okay, so I have the music producer Red One on today, and he's a huge hit maker. He's produced, like, a million of the biggest pop hits, seriously. And we talked all about it and how he met Lady Gaga and produced her first album and worked with Nicki Minaj and all of these other people. It's a really fun chat, and uh, if you're into pop music especially, you're going to like it. Uh, So that's coming up. I'm also going to go over a few music-related topics. Like, I don't know how much I have to say, to be honest, but I made myself sit through a lot of the new big albums like Kanye and Halsey, and I'm just going to give you my thoughts on that. This is basically a music, a special music-themed episode of Unpopular. We're not doing any reality TV today. But first, before I get to that, uh, I just want to address a little controversy that I've been in. It's uh, really between me and the Outspoken podcast. So, if you listened to my last episode, you'll know that I criticized the Outspoken pod over how they handled their story on, well, how they covered the anti-lockdown influencer Chloe Zepp. And then I complained about their podcast being in the wrong iTunes category because it is a society and culture podcast, but it was in the TV and film section. So I complained about that. And then I said that their branding was terrible because they're not outspoken, yet they call their podcast outspoken. Well, they ended up hearing the episode, which, okay, first of all, I never expected them to hear it when I was recording it. I never thought they would hear it. I'm so used to having like, more of an American audience that I just kind of assume that nobody in Australia listens to my podcast or cares about my podcast, Um, especially people that listen to Outspoken. I feel like that's not my demographic. You know, it's a very different show to mine. So, I was shocked when they heard it and the fact that I have listeners that also listen to Outspoken. So, They heard it and they posted on their IG stories about how they moved their podcast over to the society and culture section, which that was obviously a playful dig at me, which I loved. I thought that was funny and, you know, that they were being good sports about the whole thing. So then I posted on my IG stories. I was like, oh my God, I think Outspoken heard my episode. And then I was like sharing screenshots of iTunes categories and about how they changed their category. Again, that was in good fun. That was not shade to them. But then I got some messages from some of their fans who were not happy with both my IG posts and my episode. They were like, you're disgusting, you're a bully, how dare you attack Outspoken, I'm unsubscribing, I'm never listening again, you know, the whole thing. Um, And then they, like, unfollowed me and, yeah, again, that surprised me because I didn't think we had any crossover. But uh, Outspoken didn't unfollow me, but these listeners did, and that was fine. But uh, I was surprised that we even had any crossover. So then I did feel a bit bad. So I messaged Outspoken privately to apologize. Not that I took back anything that I said regarding, you know, the Chloe Zepp situation of it all. But I did say to Outspoken that, you know, they do have a great show and they do deserve all their success, which they do. And I probably went too far, like ranting about, you know, their show and their branding. And I should have probably just stuck to my disagreements on the Chloe Zepp situation instead of like, you know, going off about their podcast branding and making fun of them, calling themselves outspoken. 
And I did feel bad because they are really nice girls and I've DM'd with them before. They've always been like very supportive and everything. So I do like them. And they were actually totally fine with it. They understood they could not have been nicer, honestly. Like we had a bit of a back and forth in the DMs. They were literally (laughs) so nice, which made me feel even worse. But I was glad that they understood. And, you know, they said, look, it's all fair game. You know, we criticize influencers on our podcast, so we can't be mad if someone's criticizing us. And it was all good. So I thought it was all sorted out. I was very happy with it. I was thinking, God, you know, I should probably have outspoken on my pod sometime. And then one of their fans, who was also actually a listener of mine, they made a thread about me in the Outspoken Facebook group, and they screenshotted all of my IG stories, and they were like, who is this loser posting about Outspoken? He's so jealous, blah, blah. So then all the Outspoken stands started commenting on the thread, trashing me, and they totally misread my IG stories too. Like, those IG stories were not shady. Like, that was funny. Um, And all of my followers got it, but I guess the Outspoken fans didn't. So they thought I was, like, on some campaign to destroy Outspoken. (laughs) I don't know. They took it to, like, a level that it really was not at. Uh, And then I saw that Amy Torba, she's one of the Outspoken hosts, she commented on the thread and she was like, hey, guys, you know, just so you know, the podcast host, that would be me, reached out to us and he apologized and it's all good. You know, we criticize influencers all the time, so it would be hypocritical if we were upset too. There's no dramas. And I thought that was very nice. So I commented on the thread too, and I kind of said a similar thing. I was like, FYI, guys, you know, I apologize to the girls. They were very gracious and understanding, and my IG stories weren't shady. Like, that was just, you know, in good fun. But I said sorry for some of the comments that I made on my pod. Well, the outspoken fans did not like that. Straight away, they were replying to me, you're so bothered, you're you're backtracking, etc. Like, it was a whole bombardment, which was weird. I was, like, bothered. Like, I'm literally very calm as I'm typing this. Like, I thought we were just, like, clarifying an issue. I didn't realise it was this deep. Um, And I wanted to keep responding, actually. And then I'm like, you know what, Jack? I'm like, get out of this Facebook group ASAP because you're going to get dragged into some weird toxic back and forth where no matter what you say, they're going to be like outraged at you and then it's just going to make this worse. So I like as soon as I saw it going left, I'm like, I'm out of here. So I left the Facebook group and it was very like it was just a strange thing to experience because it's like myself and the outspoken girls sorted it out both publicly and privately. And, you know, they've commented, like, we both commented on the thread saying it's fine, but then the people that are reading it are like, it is not fine, you're a hater. It's like, okay, we're cool, like, it's like you guys have the problem, not us. And it did actually remind me in general, it's like I always say this, like, never to apologise to random groups of people. Like, you should apologise to the individual that you wronged, for sure. Like, when I reached out to Outspoken, I didn't take back what I said about, you know, how they did the Chloe Zepp interview. Like, that was a good faith disagreement on that situation. But, you know, I apologise for how I worded some of the things and I should have been maybe a bit more mindful because they are nice girls. So that's fine. But, like, never apologise to just random people on social media because they will never, ever accept it. They will all take everything you say in, like, the worst faith possible. You know, they all pretend that they want you to take accountability. And then when you do take accountability, 
they're just like angry about it anyway. So it's like, well, why are you even trying in the first place? And I'm glad, by the way, that Chloe Zepp never apologized for her whole thing about the lockdowns and stuff, because it's like, what's the point? Like, she actually put out a really good statement and it wasn't an apology, but it was, I would say it was a clarification. And I thought it came off really well, but people were furious about it. And the fact is that, like, even if Chloe Zepp had come out and explicitly apologised and said what this mob of people want to hear, like, they would still be mad about it. They would be like, well, she's only apologising because she lost followers. Like, you'll never make these people happy. So... Yay for Chloe Zepp. Yay for me. Don't apologize. Uh, Me and Outspoken are good. I did lose a few followers, but I'm cool with that because I don't want those people following me anyway. Uh, Happy to trim the fat. They just don't get the vibe. And I hope they've all forgotten about this now and moved on. Because look, I'll be honest, I'm a little scared of the Outspoken stands. Like, they're actually the worst group of people to get on your bad side because they're the millennial Facebook Karens and they're the worst kind of haters because it's like the older Facebook users, kind of like my parents and up, they're not that tech savvy. And then the Gen Zs, like Gen Z aren't even on Facebook. Like they're not doing this shit. But the millennial bracket, they're young enough to be tech savvy because they grew up with social media, but They're also old enough to be whinging Karens who are obsessed with policing everybody's behavior online. So if you get on their bad side, they can make your life hell on the internet. So I hope they've just unfollowed me and moved on with their lives because I cannot deal with being trolled by like 30-year-old soccer mums from Perth and Wangaratta. So adios. Anyway, uh, let's move on and get into some music stuff and then I'll bring Red One out. So, you guys know that I used to be, like, a music blogger and a music writer. I used to review uh, albums for different places and everything, so I was very into it. And it's funny because about five years ago, I really backed away from music big time, both professionally and just personally. I started listening to way more podcasts, so I really cut out a lot of music. I only listen to K-pop because it's just super easy and it's simple and it's, like, fun. And I don't invest that much in music, which is strange because I used to be so, so into it. And the whole way that I approach music now is completely different. So back in the day, when I was listening to an album, I was thinking about everything. I was thinking about who are the producers? Where does this fit in radio right now and the landscape? And is this artist chasing trends? And what are the hottest trends right now? And does this align? And um, just like, I was just thinking about everything around it. And now when I listen to music, it's so different. I don't even know what's going on. I don't even know what, like, the current trends are or whatever the hot producers are or who the hot artists are. Like, I barely know anything about it. I'm really just simple and black and white now. And do I like it or do I not? And I like music that is um, very vibey and like a body of work. I don't like stuff that is, like, too structured and made for radio and everything because I kind of get my pop fix from K-pop. So, in terms of the albums that I listen to that are, like, Western albums, I'm more into just kind of the artists that I've always loved. Like, I love, like, Fiona Apple. I love Kid Cudi. One of my favorite artists, Kurt Vile. I love everything he does, and he just does these kind of, like, lo-fi country indie acoustic albums, and it's, like, very meandering and and not very structured, and some of the songs are really long. I like that. So, I don't know. I just like kind of, like, vibey background music. So, like I said, I just look at it at a very, like, surface level now. And uh, when it comes to pop music specifically, I'll listen to singles like, you know, Dua Lipa comes out. I'll listen to like the hit singles. I don't care to listen to pop stars albums in general because I don't think the pop stars can make good albums. I think they make good singles. I don't think they can really make a body of work. So, 
Yeah, that's how I feel about music, right? And uh, for some reason, I've listened to this new Kanye album, which is funny, the Donda album, because I don't usually listen to Kanye. So I did back in the day when I was really into music. I had, uh, you know, the albums with the teddy bears on the front, like Graduation and all of those. I had the teddy bear albums. I had the 808s album when he did the auto-tune thing. After that, I stopped listening to him for a few reasons. One, I really, well, I never liked his personality, and I especially didn't then. I always just thought he was a deranged, mentally ill narcissist who kept calling himself a genius until people started repeating it. I never found him to be a genius. Like, yes, I think he's a talented artist. I never thought he was a genius, and... uh I felt like his music did, well, I mean, I felt like he was pretentious. I felt like his music got pretentious. I felt like at some point the album started to become Kanye scrolling through Pitchfork and then going, oh, look, uh, Bonnie Ver has a hot album right now. Let me collaborate with him. That was my interpretation of it. I'm not saying that I was right about Kanye. That's just how I felt. So I haven't really listened to Kanye since like 808s probably like I never cared about my dark fantasy for Pablo and don't care don't listen to him and I never liked his fans either all of the like white pitchfork hip-hop bros super annoying so the whole vibe I just was turned off of Kanye and my interactions with Kanye is really just following him with like Kim Kardashian and all of that shit that's about it uh And I was not following anything in the lead up to the release of Donda. I wasn't anticipating Donda. I wasn't thinking about Donda. I didn't know he was even working on Donda. Knew nothing about it. I was on Twitter. Suddenly in my timeline, I'm seeing Kanye West releases Donda and people are tweeting about it. It was late at night here in Australia. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to listen to Donda. Uh, I fucking love it. It's so good. I had no expectations. I don't even know what kind of music Kanye makes now. So it was fun to go in not knowing what to expect whatsoever. I don't know how this stacks up with his previous work, but I just love it. It's about two hours long. It's all over the place, yet still somehow cohesive. It's experimental and off-kilter, like a lot more so than I remember his music being. I remember his music being more radio-friendly, even with the albums that he did that were uh, more geared for the Pitchfork audience. I still felt like those had a lot of radio singles. This feels uh, definitely less commercial and a lot more interesting, and it feels like he's kind of created his own world with this album. Uh, There's a lot of gospel stuff. I know that he's been through the whole... Uh, he had the whole Christian makeover with the the church thing that he started. I remember him and Kim going to the church in their, their beige outfits. And I know that he did that Jesus is King gospel album. I don't think I listened to that. Uh, there's a lot of gospel stuff through this, but it sounds great because it's just sort of like weaved in throughout. Like you'll be listening to a song and then there'll be, uh, you know, Christian church organs and stuff in there. Uh, I love it. It's a really big, expansive album, and it just flows, and it's not so structured. Uh, I like not knowing where a song is going, which is how I feel like on this album. And uh, yeah, and I'm glad that I'm not overthinking Kanye so much anymore and overthinking his personality like I used to do. So I've really just been able to enjoy it strictly on its merits. And uh, 
While I'm doing that, it feels like it's the opposite with everyone else because I skimmed the pitchfork review of Donda and honestly, it was so pathetic. I swear to God, half of that review was just talking about how he supported Donald Trump and all of the different controversies that he's had and the the tweets. And then they complained about him working with DaBaby and Marilyn Manson. It was just pathetic. It was like, look, is the album good or not? No one cares about this other shit. And I feel like Kanye has had so many bandwagon stands over the year, I will say. Like, when people started clutching their pearls and trying to cancel him when he supported Trump, for me, that was in line with Kanye's behavior all along. Like, I was saying this stuff about Kanye, God, like 10, 15 years ago when he was, like, the the media darling and, and, and the darling of all the music critics. I said a lot of this negative stuff about him and then everyone else came out and said it just because he endorsed Trump and had a few, like, you know, bad takes on Twitter. So to me, that just shows that a lot of his fans were fickle. And I feel like the people, the fans that really stuck with him from the beginning through to now and like rode with him throughout all of the like MAGA stuff, they really get Kanye and I think appreciate his artistry more, but I do feel like he has a lot of fake fans. But that aside, uh, I love the album. I love Donda. I wouldn't recommend it to everyone. I don't even recommend music to people much anymore unless it's k-pop because i'm like so familiar with the whole k-pop world but anything else is so subjective and what i like i know is not what everyone else is gonna like but i am so into donda love it so i also listened to halsey's album called if i can't have love i want power it's a concept album she worked with trent Reznor on it i think he produced and co-wrote the whole thing Okay, so let me just say that Halsey is easily one of the most insufferable pop stars to ever walk the face of the planet. I mean, she's, like, unbearable. She's just as bad as Demi Lovato when it comes to having an oppression complex and being an entitled psycho. She recently called out a magazine, actually, for getting her pronouns wrong, even though they didn't actually get them wrong. So, what happened was she came out as having she and they pronouns, meaning that you can use she or you can use they. She goes by both. And then she shot the cover of Allure magazine, and then she lashed out at them publicly on social media for misgendering her because they only used her she pronouns and not the they pronouns, even though she goes by both of them. So, first of all, I actually have to say, why are you even announcing if you go by she and they? Because it's like, well, I mean, I don't think anyone's going to call you he. And if you're already comfortable with she, do you need to tell everyone that you're comfortable with they as well? If you're already comfortable with she, which would be the default. But anyway, she went on this whole fucking rant about it and uh, it was just crazy. And then she brought up all this other stuff. She didn't like how the article was framed and she thought she treated it like it was a hit piece, which I didn't read it, but I would bet money that it was actually very respectful and probably a positive article about her. Uh, It's so unreasonable to expect people to actually use two different sets of pronouns with you. Like, how is this even supposed to to work? You know, uh, what, you're having a conversation with her and then she sits there and you've got to make sure, okay, I just said they, so I better get a she in there too to make sure they're both in there. Like, it's just ridiculous. Uh, and then to attack a magazine that bothered to put you on their cover for it, it to me, it almost felt like a setup because she did make it seem like she was cool with people using she or they, and then it's like she blindsides them for publicity. So, I don't know. 
little suspicious to me. And then uh, she actually tweeted that she wasn't doing any more press ever again because, you know, she was just so disrespected by Alua not using the they pronouns. But then I put her name into YouTube and she was just interviewed by Zane Lowe on, like, Apple Music to promote her new album. So I guess the press ban didn't last long. Anyway, despite having an unbearable personality, she does have some good songs. (laughs) Like, I like all the Halsey hits. I listen to them. Uh, She's got a lot of good songs. She can only do one style of music, though. Like, she does those... They're like melancholy kind of urban pop mid-tempos, but then whenever she tries to do anything different, it flops, because a year or two ago, she did this song called Nightmare, and to me, it sounded kind of like a inspired by, like, Avril Lavigne's losing grip, and then she tried to do a sort of a 90s alt-rock image for it, and it flopped, and then she didn't even put that song on her album, so... She clearly can sort of only do one genre of music and one style, at least as far as being commercially successful goes. I liked the Nightmare song, but no one else did. Uh, And yeah, it's just funny that she's burning bridges with media outlets now over like pronouns and stuff, because it's like, honey, do you know how short a pop star's shelf life is, especially one with as little versatility as Halsey, who can literally only record the same song, like, 50 times and chart, and anytime she does anything different, she's a flop. Like, good luck booking another Alua cover in three years. Like, let's see where you are then. Anyway, her new album, it's a concept album. It's quite ambitious, like, visually, at least. Uh, I listened to it all on YouTube, and all the songs have these, like, Game of Thrones visuals to them. It was probably quite expensive, to shoot the visuals, but I'm sure she saved money recording the whole thing with Trent Reznor uh, instead of sort of being, like, pinballed between different producers and studio sessions like you usually would, uh, you know, recording a pop album. I don't have that much to say about this album, actually, despite the big lead-up. Um, I put it on, I liked it for about three songs, and then the novelty wore off and it got samey and I was over it. Her lyrics sound like Tumblr blog posts and I don't really care what she has to say as an artist or anything about her life because her personality is so unlikable from what I've seen over the years. I'm not trying to sort of get to know her on a deeper level. Also, I actually don't care about lyrics in pop music. I think they're kind of irrelevant. I think the the production and the beat is more important. Um... There were way too many slow songs. I liked the rockier stuff, like the more up-tempo. There's a song, Easier Than Living, that's good. Uh, Another one called You Asked For This. Even though I like them, I don't know if I'll ever listen to them again. Uh, Yeah, so I don't really care about the rest. So I'll probably just ignore her until she releases Without Me Part 5, which then I'll get back on board the Halsey train. Uh, Speaking of annoying pop stars, uh, Olivia Rodrigo... I cannot get on the Rodrigo bandwagon. I can't, and I've tried. I try to embrace the new girls. I don't want to be out of touch and just write people off because they're a new artist. I want to try and get, okay, like, why do people like them? What's the hook? What's good about them? I tried with Olivia. I can't. She's so manufactured, which is fine, but... I don't think the music is even that good. Um, She seems kind of like this generation's Ashley Simpson. And I loved Ashley Simpson, so maybe I'm just too old for Olivia. Like, maybe I just don't get it because I'm not in the right age bracket. Maybe you've got to be, like, 16 or something to get into her. Uh, I think her ballads are shocking. The ballads are just atrocious. And the only good songs, really, are the rock songs that are just Paramore knockoffs, like, good for you, but... 
she already got in trouble for copying them and then she had to pay Paramore a few million dollars in song songwriting royalties or something. And I also feel like, well, Hayley Williams is amazing. Like, she's got such a great voice and, you know, Paramore's music is great. So, why won't I just go and listen to Paramore? Like, why am I listening to the Olivia Rodrigo karaoke version of Paramore? Uh, I think she had to pay Taylor Swift royalties too for copying her and... She was called out by other people. She was called out by Courtney Love for copying Hole's visuals. Uh, She ripped off an Elvis Costello song, although to be fair, Elvis Costello came out and he said that he didn't care. And he's like, that's rock music. You know, we're all inspired by each other. So whatever. And I don't want to drag her too much actually for being a copycat because, I mean, again, I listen to K-pop and K-pop artists literally just rip off everyone and just make it better. But she's not making it better, so, you know, she's just so boring and unoriginal. Um, Oh, yeah, she also got dragged because she said in an interview recently, I saw this on page six, I love page six, uh, she said that when she was growing up, she only thought that white girls could be pop stars. First off, I actually thought she was white, I swear, but she's actually half Filipino. I always assumed she was white. Uh. When you know that she's mixed, you can see it. Like, when someone tells you, like, oh, yeah, I see it. But if you don't know, you just think she's, like, some white brunette. It's kind of like Michelle Branch. Like, Michelle Branch is part Asian, too, but you kind of just assume she was white until someone tells you otherwise. (laughs) The Olivia Rodrigo stands will be like, who's Michelle Branch? Um, And secondly, with Olivia, she was born in 2003. Okay, so she grew up with, like, Rihanna on top of the charts, Beyonce, like, being the biggest pop star, How did she think only white girls could be pop stars? Oh, Selena Gomez. I mean, she's half Mexican and Olivia's half. uh, Olivia's claiming herself as a POC because she's half Filipino. So, I guess Selena's a POC. Uh, Halsey. Halsey's white presenting, but she's half black. So, I guess she's another POC and she was on top of the charts when uh, Olivia was in high school. So, Girls, stop with this. You didn't think white girls could be pop stars. This woke shit is just, it's so ingrained in Gen Z now, I think. Like, they can't help but say shit like this. Like, Olivia probably didn't think too deeply about this statement. I don't think it was, like, a calculated thing. I mean, Halsey, I feel like, more says stuff like this in a calculated way. Same with Demi, but... Olivia, it's probably just, like, bred into her from all of the mainstream, like, media and pop culture that, you know, she's raised on. Uh... I was trying to figure out, actually, if she's non-binary yet. I did find one article in The Guardian, but I don't know if it's accurate, but I'm sure she'll be coming out as non-binary soon. Anyway, who else have I listened to? Um, I like the Tanache album, but I don't really have anything else to say other than it's a vibe. Um, I don't understand why she's such a flop, seriously. (laughs) She's, like, such a good dancer, such a good performer. Her music is great for, like, R&B stuff. She's beautiful. Like, it's crazy. She's so good, and she's only ever had one hit, and then everything else just flops so hard. Her albums are really good. Like, the last album before this was so great from top to bottom, which it's so hard for any pop star to have, like, a cohesive body of work to actually put out a fucking album that sounds good, and Tanache does that, but, yeah, she's just such a flop. She's like this generation's Maya, you know, just hot and talented and just never as big as she should be. Uh, I listened to the new Iggy Azalea album, End of an Era. It's her last album ever. She's quit music now, which I think was probably the right move for her because it wasn't really charting and... 
she's not a great artist. Um, she's doing like makeup now and perfume and other things. I think she's more just being Iggy Azalea, the celebrity and the the branding personality and the Instagram person. Uh, I don't think she's just. I don't think she's going to be an artist anymore. Also, she's thirty, and honestly. By the time you're 30 for being a pop star or a female rapper, that's kind of your shelf life. Like, it's kind of hard to exist past 30. So, she's quite smart to actually bow out now instead of to sort of just continue flopping as she releases more music and becoming more irrelevant. Uh, But you know what? I don't think she's a good rapper. I can't stand her fake American accent. She does have a lot of really bad songs, but some of her songs legit are really good. She does have some really good songs here and there. And... You know, she said in an interview recently that a lot of big artists actually refuse to work with her because it's, like, not good for their brand. So, she has to work with a lot of unknowns because the big names just will not associate with her. Like, she works with people like Tanache because uh, no one will touch her. She also has collabed with, like, a lot of YouTubers and drag race stars, which I think is smart. It's like, well, if the big names aren't working for you, look elsewhere. So, she's really great, I think, actually, with her marketing and her branding, Iggy. And what I will say about her is that she may not be a good rapper, but she's good at everything else. Like, she is a creative. She is an artist. She's really intelligent when you listen to interviews with her. Her visuals are incredible. I know she borrows visuals from a lot of stuff. Like, she's always inspired by things, like, even from, like, Fancy. I know another music video was from Showgirls. I know she did another music video based on Romy and Michelle's high school reunion. So, she does a lot of that, but she also comes up with a lot of her own original visual concepts, and they're amazing. And... The visuals for End of an Era, this new album, is stunning. Like, look at the album cover and just some of the photos and go on YouTube and have a look at the um, the visual things she's done for all the tracks. Like, it's incredible. Like, she looks stunning. And I just love her personality. And I also kind of respect the way she hustled her way from rural Australia to Hollywood. I mean, it's pretty impressive. So, you know, even though people think Iggy is a joke now, and I feel like woke culture really destroyed her career in America especially, like her music career has stayed popular in Brazil and places like that, but in America I think the um, all the stuff about like cultural appropriation just tanked her there, but I do think she's a pop culture icon and she is going to be around in various capacities for many years. I don't think she's going to fade away. She's always going to be a celebrity because she's so unique just with her visual and being like the white girl rapper and everything. And I believe 100% in like decades to come, people will be referencing her looks and her visuals and things that she has done. Like she will be viewed in a different light in the future when we're not looking at her so much through the whole like, oh, she did a black scent. Oh, this is cultural appropriation. When we're just looking at her for what she's done as an artist, I think that she's going to get a lot more appreciation. I don't know how well her music will age, but I just mean everything else besides the music. Like, You'll you'll have rappers and models in 20, 30 years that are, like, recreating her music videos in their videos and, like, inspired by her. So, she's made her mark. Um, All right, last but definitely not least, I listened to the Billie Eilish album. It's the second one. I can't remember what it's called, but she has, like, a blonde wig on the cover and I think she's crying and she has some cleavage. I think I'm a Billie Eilish fan now and I never was before. Like, I never liked her i never really got it um i love the song everything i wanted that's an incredible song but besides that 
nothing else clicked for me, but I have always, like, respected her. Like, I've never looked at her like I look at Halsey or Olivia Rodrigo. Even when I wasn't into Billy, I was like, you know what? This Billy girl, she's doing something different. She completely has her own sound, even if I don't like it. It's her own thing. She has her own visual. She's doing something different. So, I had a lot of respect for her, and I just put the her newest album on really just for this episode because I was like, you know what? I'm just going to listen to a bunch of the new pop girls, Iggy and Halsey and Kanye. Well, Kanye's not a pop girl, but you know what I mean. I just want to, like, get up on it so I can talk about it on the pod. I put it on from track one. At first, I'm like, oh, God, she's still, like, mumbling. You know how she mumbles in all of her songs? She doesn't really sing. And I was kind of, like, rolling my eyes a bit and thinking, all right, here we go. And then... As the songs continued, I really started getting in the vibe. And then, like, halfway through, I'm like, okay, this album is sick. Like, Billie Eilish is amazing. Even some of the songs I'd, like, skimmed before, some of the singles, like My Future, which I'd written off before, then when I'm hearing them in the context of the album, I'm like, this song is great. She's a really good songwriter, too. Uh, I love the beats. I know that her brother produces all of her music, um... And, yeah, they just have a unique sound. Like, I'm sure someone can tell me, like, ah, she's copying whatever, but, okay, whatever. I'm sure they're inspired by something. But in terms of, like, mainstream people that are on the charts and everything, I don't hear anyone else with a Billie Eilish sound. And it's so rare to get a pop artist that's coming along and, like, doing something completely different that's not derivative of their contemporaries. Like, I think the last one before Billie would have been Lana Del Rey, right? I can't think of anyone else. It's like Lana, then Billy. So, yeah, look, I'm a fan now. Although you've got to be in the mood for the music because it is very, like, kind of down-tempo. It's more of a late-at-night album. But, yeah, I'm a Billy fan. All right, let's just get into Red One now. Um, I am going to put information in the show notes about the Spotstar blockchain talent competition. That is what Red One is promoting. That's why he's on my pod in the first place. So check the show notes if you want to link to that and you want to find out more about it. Uh, We talked about it a little bit, but we didn't talk about it too in depth because crypto and blockchains and stuff, it's very confusing to me. I don't fully get it, but check the show notes for a link to that. Also, you can follow me on social media at UnpopularJP on Twitter and Instagram. If you want to support the show on Patreon and get bonus content, that's patreon.com slash UnpopularJP. And I'm going to give a shout out to my latest Patreon subscribers. That is Runner Girl, Kelly, Melissa, Allison, wow, Allison spells her name very A L Y S Y N. Uh, Katie, Sheila, Lainey, Frankie, Joe. I think I shouted these people out already. James, Larissa, I'm sure I shouted you guys out last week. Anyway, thanks a lot for listening. Remember, check the show notes for all of the Spot Star stuff, and I will see you on Monday with my next episode, which will be back to the regularly scheduled programming of, you know, reality TV and shady pop culture commentary. Bye. Okay, guys, I have one of the biggest pop music producers ever on the pod today. He has worked with Lady Gaga, J-Lo, Michael Jackson, Nicki Minaj, Enrique Iglesias, Mary J. Blige, literally every big artist under the sun that you can think of, he has worked with. Please welcome Red One. Thank you, brother. Thank you. Thank you. Pleasure. Pleasure to meet you. (laughs) 
Thanks so much for coming on the pod. And there's so much that I want to talk to you about, including a new blockchain talent show, Spot Star. But I have to say, you're kind of iconic to me because I was a music <laughs> blogger and a music writer back in the day. And that was when you first came onto the scene. And I feel like when you came out, you just completely changed American radio because you brought that Europop sound over to the States. Like, I mean, do you feel like that? Yes, I do, brother. I do. <laughs> I mean, it was an incredible um, uh, moment for my life, you know, because, uh, you know, coming from uh, Morocco, traveling to Sweden and struggling so many years and with a vision, with a clear vision to make something, uh, you know, change music or, or do something big for the music or bring something to the table, to the world to share. And uh, it happened. So it was like unreal it was an incredible moment and, and, and it happened. Yes. Thank you so much for the for the love, you know? <laughs> I remember when you first came on and you first came out with Cat DeLuna and that was more of yes. a kind of like a, a dance hall reggae kind of vibe. And then it was like when you got with Lady Gaga, suddenly it was like overnight dance music just like took <laughs> over America. Like I feel like it was you, David Guetta and like Will I Am from the Black Peas and you all kind of like came out around the same time and then it was like you just change like the style of music and you know you you're from morocco originally but yeah. then you were in sweden making music yeah. for years like i guess that influenced you a lot right being around like the swedish music bring like getting your pop sound going for sure i mean in morocco it's, it's we are we're like a multicultural country you know what i mean it's like very cosmopolitan and we have all the influences from africa from the middle east from europe from you know, America from all over the world. So it's like already there growing up in that got me with so much music in my head, got me influenced or educated, you know? And what Sweden did for me, just put it into place with the perfect structure of pop music, you know, and uh, how you should think, how you be like straight to the point and with the big courses and stuff like that. So it was just a, a mix of all of that, for sure, for sure. Yeah, you know, and it's funny because obviously I'm from Australia and we've always had like dance music here in EDM, like we have kind of an eclectic scene, but in, Mer in America, they were so into like the hip hop kind of style and urban style. And I remember yeah. when you came out with a lot of your records, that was actually the first time that a lot of people had even listened to dance music because it wasn't I on the know. radio really. They were like kind of like shocked, like, what is this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Honestly, like the dance music was um was uh, like just remix music you know so whatever there's a real record on radio you have dance remixes and that's it on, in clubs and i remember actually i met david guetta before he became the the david guetta you know in the grammys he was like red thank you for opening the doors to us you know what i mean i was like oh my god because what i did i, I didn't do exactly dance music like you know just dance music i i i brought it in a nice way you know it's like a mix between all this pop euro all of that in one you know so it was like kind of cool element but that opened the door for all the djs to be like the cool sound you know so i'm, I'm very privileged and, and 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 happy that it happened you know yeah no you're right because the first stuff that you did it was more like pop and then it was kind of like as those years went on it was like the tempos got faster and faster yes. and it got more and more until <laughs> exactly. at one point it was like full-on edm on the radio and then like it yes. went back to hip-hop again so exactly I want to know about when you first met Lady Gaga. So, did the label organize that? Did you know her? Like, how did you even get in contact with her? Well, well, the thing is, I at that time, I just had my 
first hit with Cat de Luna. You know what I mean? Like uh, it was like it has some electro sound in a in a tropical sound. You know, I mean the tropical before tropical was. You know, yeah. so it was like <laughs> so with like with like you know the the kind of thing. So so. It, that became a kind of cool thing. And I remember my uh, manager, Alan, at the time, Alan Molina and, and Laurent, they, they, they told me about this new girl like that's, that's like she's an amazing writer and all of that. And, and honestly, I remember I told them like at that time, because I've been struggling for so many years to work, to, to get a, a, a break, you know, and have a chance to work with big artists. So I told them now that I have a hit with Wine Up. I need to work with big stars, you know? So they told me, yeah, but there's this girl. I told him, is she signed? And he was like, oh, no, she's not signed. I was like, what? This, this, this is my time to work with big stars. Not, you know, it just, they told me, no, she just got dropped, but she's a talented person. She got dropped from a label, you know? But I was like, you know, they told me, you know, just do five minutes. If you like her, good. If you don't like her, then don't do it. And so I went to meet her. Hey, Red One. Hey, Lady Gaga. And, and we started talking and I already liked her aura you know like it was just uh special the way she was dressed it was already different and then she she, she got me the feeling of like oh she's like from the 80s and i love the 80s 80s is like everything that, that's how i was was brought up you know yeah so so when i met her and when you started talking i really liked her because you you were talking to a musician not just to i want to be a star i want to be a singer you know the usual like she's a real deal you know i felt something you know so by talking, we said, you know what? I, I was like, okay, well, let's do something. Let's go to the studio, you know? So we went to the studio. We were so excited to talk about rock music, about everything. She was very educated. She knows all of it, you know? And uh, and then on our way to the studio, we were talking about Motley Crue, girls, girls, girls. And, da, 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 da. and she was like, we should write a song called Boys, 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 you know? I was like, yes. And then... Uh, we were discussing and, you know, I just felt that she started playing piano for me and, and I had a vision of a sound that was like back in the days in Sweden, you know what I mean? From a yeah. super artist, that, you know? So I just was like, oh my God, this girl, if she can do this crazy sound, will be something crazy. So uh, it happened. So, I mean, with a lot of work with many other people in terms of record labels and, and the Akon factor that pushed that. It, it was so many elements in it, but the music, when it comes to music, that's been created in, in my studio and it was uh, beautiful in the right moment, you know? When you had that first conversation with her or those first few chats and you're talking about the direction that she wants to take her career, like, does she say, you know, I want to do this like pop kind of like pop dance music? Does she say I want to sound, you know, do a like a Madonna 80s sound or does she just, is she just open to anything really? No, she told me I'm open, you know, honestly, because I remember she started playing piano for me and singing and I loved her vibe. And you reminded me of an artist from Sweden. I don't want to mention the name. Okay. <laughs> Back in the days, he was a crazy artist, but like incredible. And I just told her, can I show you something? She was like, yeah. So I showed her this artist, this female, this female artist. You know, unfortunately, she became a drug addict and da, 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 da. And oh. nothing happened as it was supposed to, you know? So when I showed her that thing, she was like, oh my God, this is incredible. I told her, like, we can do something like this, but next level of the now, you know, for the future. She was like, and I remember she did, I'm open, let's do it. And that's how the sound, uh, you know, that, that I envisioned matched with her, plus her writing and her talent brought her, she's just an incredible artist. So it's like, it's not even like, it's not like I made an artist, but like my ideas with her talent and your, her ideas became a, an explosion. 
Yeah, absolutely. Because it is interesting when you listen to even her early music, like she still will have some of those like piano ballads and that kind of original sound she was doing. But then it's like when it- She's a musician. Yeah. So she has those musicians, but then it's like when it mixes in with someone like you, you take it to the next level with the big, like the pop and the radio and it's like it comes together. (laughs) Did you have- did you have any of these songs like, you know, like Poker Face or Just Dance? Like, did you already have any of the those, like, beats, you know, before you met her? Or was that just sort of, like, came up on I the mean, spot? No, uh, no, 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 no. Actually, I, the, the, the drum sounds, I had them because I always was saving those sounds because I love the 80s with the big drums, like, of Just Dance or Boys Boys, like, yeah. you know, like, big, you know, reverb and all of that. And, and uh, so I always... I've been saving through the years those kind of sounds. But when I met her, it was it all made sense. It's almost like you've been saving it for this moment. You know what I mean? Like it's that's how life is. You know, sometimes you don't understand things, and when it happens, you understand why it happened and why you. So that's exactly what happened with her. When I met her, those drums, those sounds made sense, and history made was made. Yes. What was it like when that album came out? Because it's like. She was she wasn't just like a big star. That was like a cultural phenomenon that is like a once in a generation. It's kind of like yeah. Madonna, then it's Britney, then it's Lady Gaga. Yes. What was that like to be like swept up into that suddenly? It's like the, Can the I biggest tell you, thing. I swear, like for so many years, when I left Morocco and when I started doing production and all that, that was my I prayed to God, like please, like God, give me the chance to create. I mean not like like a new Madonna or a new Britney Spears or something like that. So so it's just like that's what I want to do. I want to create something that's going to change the world and 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 you know it's it's almost like the law of, of attraction. You know, it was meant to be. She was being created. You know, she's been developed and I was being developed in my own ways and just connected. And when it's connected, it made all sense of in in the world. And and I felt like I was lucky. Uh, God heard me, you know, like many things that was like perfect in time and it happened and it changed music. And we, I, I kind of been part of the new Madonna, you know what I mean? Or yeah. Lady Gaga, you know? So yes, no doubt. It's yeah. Incredible it's like, feeling. you're kind of up there. It's like with, um, you know, Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis with Janet Jackson. It's Janet like, Jack- you know, that name that's like synonymous with the artist. Yeah. Quincy Jones, Michael Jackson, you know, yeah. like it's a different kind of thing. So I feel like, yes. I, I take that credit. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, well, I know it's much. It's well deserved. When after the fame comes out, right? It's like the hugest, like the biggest, like pop debut. Um, did you feel suddenly like a pressure? Because then obviously you worked together on the Fame Monster, and then you did some work on Born This Way. Was there suddenly like this huge pressure of like you've got to keep this momentum going? Because it's like then you come out with these songs like Bad Romance and Judas, and they sort of have like a similar formula, but then it's just like bigger and bolder. It's yes. like yeah. harder, harder beats bigger chorus even lady gaga yeah. what she's doing visually is like bigger 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 <laughs> like did you just feel like that pressure to be honest with you i did not feel pressure i was just enjoying it and i felt like oh my god i'm gonna give even more you know so so every thought of music or ideas was like gaga it's my that's what i'm gonna save it for you know what i mean so of course i made other hits but for me the sound of gaga was like i was all about that kind of sound you know so so when it, it called me like hey red you gotta she was on tour you gotta come on her tour and just keep writing and stuff like that so i was like yes yes it's okay let's do this because it's magical and me and her uh, you have no idea brother how how 
easy and simple it is to write great songs because it just clicks, you know? It's not pushed. It just clicks. So so that's what happened. And, and uh, we wrote Bad Romance, Alejandro, and it, it was just a, an amazing moment, yeah. yes. Alejandro, that was like Ace of Base inspired, right? Like kind of like Swedish pop sort of, it, but then with Latin. <laughs> yes, and it, it, honestly, like it, it's, it's before Ace of Base, it was uh, we wanted to do something like uh, something ABBA. ABBA, you know, like, uh, so it was ABBA and, and Ace of Base, okay, doof. So it was just like, and we were in Ibiza. That's why the emotion was like, oh, this is like Spain, Alejandro, <laughs> Fernando. We were in Ibiza, so we got in the studio. It was just in one day, boom, Alejandro was born, you know? Another huge name that you worked with is J-Lo. Now, you yeah. produced On the Floor and... That's, I don't know if people know this, that's like the biggest song of her career. And people may have forgotten this, but at that point, J-Lo's music career was kind of over. Like people kind of felt like, you know, J-Lo's had her moment as a pop star, you know, now she's more of an actress and people thought she had peaked. And then you get together, you make On the Floor, it's like this insane hit, bigger than she's ever had. Okay, what was that like when you hook up with her to start doing that song are you thinking like okay we're making a comeback song specifically is there like a vision in mind you know what like at that time um you know how how everybody gets into your business and and a lot of people heard that something might i might be maybe considering working with j-lo and stuff like that so everybody's calling me like don't do it red it's not good for your career you're like you're the hottest producer i mean she her career was dead blah 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 blah. so everybody was telling me not to do it everybody and besides two people, my wife, you know, she told me, I think she's an icon. She is, um, she is uh, you know, like for us women, we all love her. And she just need one song to, to take it over, you know, and you can do it. And, and this other guy who, who you, uh, brother, he's like a brother of mine, is Martin Kirzenbaum from, from, um, from Interscope. He used to be the head of international. Oh, from Cherry Tree? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> he told me, I think J-Lo is a star. She just needs a song. And then, and then I was like, you know, me and this girl called Key. Key, like, she's an incredible writer. She wrote many hits and stuff like that. She's an incredible writer. We did On the Floor, you know, and uh, we wrote it. She sent me some ideas, blah, 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 because we always wanted to do, uh, like, kind of cover, or we had this talks, me and her, for years about Lambada. So we were talking about this for years, for years, for like at least 10 years, you know? And she said, Red, I think I cracked the thing with Lambada. She sent me the idea. I was like, oh my God, this is it. So that's how On the Floor happened. And and when I took a meeting with J-Lo and I told her, you know what, let's do this, let's do this. And she was very like, you know, open to anything. And um, and it was boom, you know, like nailed we did an incredible song and uh, she killed it. I mean, J-Lo is a star. There's no doubt about it. So, so when she, she did the song, she, she owned it and it became historical. Yeah, well, I mean, that literally changed the trajectory of her career because it was like down and then after that song and then doing American Idol. And then I think like a year later, she was on like the cover of Forbes or something of like. Yeah, it's a blessing. Know, back, and she's sort of been on top ever since. It's crazy. Yes. Were you surprised yeah. by how how big that was because and that was like that was like a real global <laughs> record like that's just was everywhere and can i you know what's funny like 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 now i don't know it's 10 years later or something everywhere i travel a lot you know i listen to music all over the world constantly so every country i go to i go to i hear j-lo on the floor like boom boom like everywhere it that's that song 
never wanted to die kind of thing. It's like I'm going. It's a classic. So yes, I am. Uh, I'm very happy that it happened, and I was not uh, okay, not shocked. I mean, but but I, I was uh, because when 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 I finished the song, when we finished the song, I felt like this is so global. I hope the world understands it, and that's what happened. The world loved it. All the cultures. Like in, you're in Dubai or you're in Morocco or you're in Spain, you're in Russia, everybody, la, 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 la. (laughs) I remember I saw her live in Sydney when she did her dance again. Well, I think it was the first and only time she did a world tour and I was like, I've got to see J-Lo. And I remember when that song came on, it was just like the whole arena was just like on their feet. Like it's just one of those songs, you know? (laughs) Yes, it's crazy. It's magical. And you did a lot of songs with J-Lo, actually. You did, like, Poppy and you recorded, Poppy, like, yeah. a, a lot more. She was – it's like if you look at your um, your production discography, it's like she's sort of, like, a little bit like your sort of second gargo, like your second kind of, like, muse thing because you seem to just yeah. have this really great kind more of like, musical <laughs> – Yeah, connection, but, you know, in a different style, obviously. Yes. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Another another big name you've worked with is Nicki Minaj and most notably on Starships. She was a rapper before that and it's funny because there's like a lot of stigma in the hip-hop community about like selling out and then that's her first time going from full-on rap to going, I'm going to do like a like a pop, like a, a dance song. Was she nervous about changing her sound? To be honest with you, absolutely not. Because the thing is like, I remember I was at the airport, you know, uh, I think in France or somewhere in the world, you know, and uh, she texted me red, you know, I need a global record. She's like, America rap, I got that, but I need to tour the world, you know, and even her label. And stuff. So I was like, okay, global record. And, and I had Starship in my computer. And I was like, are you in front of your computer? She's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a, I was like, okay. We, you know, logged in and I sent her the record at, from the airport. And it took like five minutes. She told me, that's it. Let's record it immediately. She, she knew. It was not like, oh, I'm nervous. About it. There's no doubt about it at all. It was just like, let's do it immediately. Can we record it? I was like, but I'm traveling. She told me, how, but your engineer or something. I was like, yeah, my engineer is in LA. She's like, okay, I'm recording it immediately. So she just went in, recorded it. Like, not even a month later, boom, number one, you know what I mean? <laughs> wow, that's so interesting. Yeah, because I th- would have thought she would have been nervous and thinking, no. like, oh, do I do this? And then, and also, obviously, she has that ear because Vision, that song, ear. like, yeah, because that was controversial in America. It's like, wow, Nicki Minaj is doing, you know, a song like this. And then that was, like, so huge. It was, like, a massive yeah. song for her. So, wow. It's crazy. Uh, did you did you feel pressure throughout the years of just in general of like because you were churning out so many hits like for all these different yeah. artists like does it ever feel like you're treading water and like I've got to keep them coming or are you just no. in the moment enjoying it? I'm enjoying it honestly because it's everything is a blessing. I mean, just being here talking to you is a <laughs> blessing. Like I'm here I, honestly. Like it's it's a you have to love life. You have to love your life. You have to enjoy the moments because the only thing is like. After I was doing hate, after I was like, I wanted to see the world. I wanted to travel. I wanted to go to to many places and try different cultures. I went to the Middle East. I went to you know the Europe. I've done hits everywhere. I went everywhere. Like a, there's an artist from, called the Khalid Shab Khalid, you know, and uh, and uh, he's like one of the biggest legends of of the the MENA region, you know, North Africa, oh. Middle East, you know. And uh, he's Algerian, French, you know. So uh, and and he didn't have a comeback for like. 13, 15 years, and and they asked me about to do something for him, and I was like, oh my god! But, but he had huge hits before, you know. I grew yeah. up with his. Hit. 
So it was like a little pressure. And I was like, you know what? Let's do it. And I did one of the biggest songs of his life, you know? It's called C'est la vie. I might have heard because I might I was because I did see that you're doing like songs in other languages and stuff when I was going through a lot of your songs so yeah and you know what happened like Mark Anthony heard the song where he's my brother Mark Anthony you know and he was like oh my god I love this song and he did he rewrote the lyrics and everything he did it in Latin like salsa and it became the biggest song of Mark Anthony called Vivir Mi Vida Vivir Mi Vida so it's all the culture so Brother, it's just a blessing. Everything is a blessing. You know, it's so funny you bring that up because I was going to ask you about, so it, around like 2015, right, the sound like kind of suddenly changed and then we start getting all of these. It's like the hip hop and the very like down tempo comes back into fashion and we have people like Lord coming out and Billie Eilish and Lana Del Rey and that style is so different for yours. And I was going to ask, what is that like? Because then you go from having like your sound and then having these very down tempo, but I guess you just sort of went overseas and you just will go, I'm going to go to yeah. whatever market is where I can collaborate with people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I was not chasing the next thing. It's not like the, the thing is like, I'm a musician, you know? So it's not like if, oh, they lower the tempo, I cannot do it. I can do rock. I do music. I'm a musician. I'll do anything. And it's just a matter of if you're a good producer to really know how to make things sound good. You know, and it's a lot of times it's about the song. Okay, it's about the sound too. But if you have a good song, you can, you know, change the sound and it becomes a hit. Different cultures, different languages. There's no boundaries when it comes to that. So at that time, I think after a little while, I went to Spain, you know, and, and I did one of my dream things, which is like, I'm, I'm a big fan of Real Madrid, you know? So, uh, yeah. So when I went to Spain, I, I did the, 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 the theme song of Real Madrid. It's not, it's not even a tempo, it's nothing. It's, it's not a hip hop at all. It's just like a classical thing that moves 90,000 people every Sunday, every week, every, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's, that's one of my things that I am so proud of and I did it. So if you're a musician, you're a musician. Yeah. And I've seen that you've done like country music and stuff like that. So you have done so many different genres and I guess that's why you work so well with Lady Gaga as well, because it's like, you do both come from the position of both being like musicians and having that versatility as opposed to like, I can just do the, this one beat, you know? Exactly. Exactly. brother. What I want to know what it's like in the very kind of commercial end of the record labels like how often is it right that you get to sit down with the artist and bounce off ideas and come up with something from scratch and how often is it like that you just sort of have beats and the label goes well we need it like this and we need the tempo to be this and this is what the radio wants right now you know what i mean like what's yeah that yeah, like? yeah i mean you know it's, it's you know every time is different because it depends it, it all depends on the artist some artists, they have a clear vision of what they want, you know? So the A&Rs just help them, uh, you know, make their the vision come true, you know, with the producer and stuff like that. And some, some artists are like, you know, real good performers or real good as artists, but they're not like songwriters. So yeah. in that situation, a lot of it or have no experience or stuff like that. So the record label takes the, you know, <laughs> you know, the, the wheel, you know, and, 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 um, so, so what happens is that uh, the label tells you, you know, I think we, we need something for her or for him like this. And whenever the song is ready, they send you, the artist, to the studio to re- just record it, you know. And, uh, you know, so it's just like it's, you have to be flexible, you know. Every, every case is different. So and sometimes I just have a vibe and I have a song and I'm like, oh, my God, this would work for this person. Boom. You have already a song. And if the artist is open, they just do it, you know. 
Do record labels ever send back notes like, oh, we love this song, but um, the focus groups say that, you know, whatever the radio trend is, that it's not fast enough or something. And then like they, you know, send back notes. And this, I mean, the very commercial end of the spectrum. I mean, it, it happens sometimes. Yes, it happens. Of course. I mean, they, you know, there's a lot of people behind the scenes, you know, it's not just the, the artist, you know, there's a lot of people that work so hard to make the artist shine. The artist is like the, you know, the product, the final yeah. product, you know, but there's so many people that get favors. And uh, like, I remember, the, you know, even on the Martin Kersenbaum era, it's like when nobody believed in Gaga, you know what I mean? I remember he called Sweden and, and Canada to, to, to ask for favors, you know, like, please push this girl. I believe in her. We believe in her. And then it became number one in Sweden, number one in Canada. And then the, the you know, the snowball yeah. started happening, but, 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 you know, there's a lot of people that do a lot of work for an artist to become successful. It's not just the song. And sometimes you might have an incredible song with nobody to push it. Nothing happens. It's just a great song that never sees the light, you know? Do you ever get it where you have a song and you really you want to have it a certain way, but maybe it's not as commercial and then it's, you know, you ever have to, like, compromise and it's frustrating? I mean, of course. I've seen it all. You know, I, I, I'm not going to mention, but there was a song that was about to happen, like, Big time, big, 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 big time, uh, and in America, and there's the label that said, no, 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 no. They called the radio, and told them, hey, stop playing that song. We want you to play this one. And 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 I have my radio people, like I know everybody. Yeah. They told me, Red, sorry, they're not going to push this one. They want to do it with the other one. But 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 if but the number was so good on the one that was about to blow, and the numbers were not good. But it's it's a political thing, you know. Like sometimes it's politics win over the the quality and. And so they had to switch the place and, uh, and nothing happened with the other song and nothing happened with my song. And that's part of the bit too. There's a lot of things that happened behind the scenes, you know? Yeah. I've seen it all, brother. Seen it all. I'm dying to know what that song is. Um, <laughs> I'm going to be going through your Wikipedia trying to figure it out. Um, <laughs> oh you know, I saw that you worked with uh, Ava Max last year on Kings and Queens. I feel yes. like she's such a red one kind of artist in terms of like <laughs> the dance music and stuff. Do you have anything else coming up with her? You two are kind of like a, you're an amazing match together, I think. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, but she has an incredible producer behind her you know like he's in circuit is like uh, you know he's yeah, incredible so he can do it by himself he doesn't need anybody <laughs> to help her. but I, when when my in my situation i think she just uh uh you know like a, an artist that that grew up with the with red one <laughs> music yeah. he wanted to to have it as a you know i want to do a song with red and thank god the song we did together became i think the biggest song that she had or something or one of the biggest songs yeah it's a big yeah, it's huge. It was number one all over the world. So, so I was very happy to work with her and her, and him. You know, both of them, and and it was a team like writers that rewrote the lyrics and stuff like that. So, and 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 did some great stuff. So it was a, it was a beautiful song to do together. And uh, thank God we had a huge hit with it. You know, yeah. and she's a beautiful person. Both of them. You know, Circuit and her. It was beautiful to work with them. Yeah, you sound good together. When I. When I saw that, I'm like, oh, yeah, this is def- this is kind of like another sort of like a bit of a gaga kind of vibe, and it just I think you two work so well together. How often, Thank obviously, you. without naming names, but does it does it ever happen where you give like an artist, you know, a hot record, and then you've got like another artist calling you up, like, why did this person get that song? I wanted that song. <laughs> yes, it happens. It happens. <laughs> I mean, it, I'm not going to mention the name. Okay? Yeah, of course not. I played Starship for an artist. That really thought she could take the song and make it number one, 
And she's like, no, and she's like, no, not really, not really, not really, you know. I was like, it's a hit, it's a hit. No, I don't know, I don't know. And then when I gave it to uh, to Nicki Minaj, it became number one. The artist calls me like, ah, I heard my song on the radio. I was like, your song? You, you didn't like it? No, I never said I didn't like it. So it became this thing. So, so yeah, it's a, it's a, it happens, it happens, it happens yeah. of course, of course. Have you, um, I'm surprised that you haven't worked with more K-pop artists. Like, I feel like you would do really well there because I'm really, really into K-pop and I love J-pop stuff as well. And uh, <laughs> I listen to a lot of it. Have you, have you thought about d- doing anything like that or have you pitched for any K-pop artists? No, I, I didn't pitch for it, but uh, I thought about it. You know, I haven't done it yet. No, it's been some talks, but it never happened yet. So, so that might happen because I love it. It's, it's so, uh, you know, it's so fresh. It's so you know. It's pop. You know. Yeah. It's all about pop. And I like. And I love pop. I love melodies that the world love. That people feel something directly to to feel better. Because my music is about feeling better, not feeling depressed. Because that's not me. You know. Even yeah. though I, you know, like people love want to hear depressed stuff. It's, it's you know everybody's free. But my music is usually uplifting, you know, makes you feel ah, either like this or like, oh, you know. So you are part of this new blockchain crypto talent show called Spotstar. I don't understand the first thing about crypto, but I want to know about how you got involved with this and, and what the inspiration was behind behind this project. I mean, the inspiration, okay, Spotstar is, um, first of all, I wanted to disrupt, we wanted to disrupt the, the music industry, you know what I mean? Because, uh from my personal experience or the inspiration is my career, you know, because it, it took me so many years to make it. And I had so many gatekeepers throughout these years and it was not easy to make it. And I was like, what can we do to make it easier now that we have the internet, you know, uh, we, we have the internet, but we still have gatekeepers, you know, and if you're from, Morocco, you know, or, or Australia, and you want to make it globally, you know, like, what can you do to not eliminate, but like, just to make it easier for the, for the artist to show their talents. Uh, so spot stars came as the idea, like, you know what, we should do it with blockchain. Why? Because blockchain is, is, you know, it, it just eliminates the, 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 the middleman, you know, it's just uh, with the transactions, with everything becomes directly from one person to the other. So there's no middleman. And when it comes to the fans, they decide. So the idea was like to create something where the fans decide if they like somebody or they don't like it, you know? And they have an opportunity to, it's a platform where, where the fans vote for their artists, you know? But they invest in them too. You know what I mean? So yeah. if, yeah, if, if they like them, they, they, they send the money immediately and there's no middleman between that. So, so Spotstar is a platform uh, where, where uh, the fans vote for their artists with money, not just with likes. So it's a, it's a, it's a, yeah, it's a new platform that makes uh, it easier for the, for the, for yeah, the... it's interesting. Very futuristic. <laughs> Actually, very current, very current. I, I don't know say. if I explained it well. No, but where can people find out about, like, spotstar.live? Is that where they can sign up and find out more? Yes, absolutely. Yes, yes, yes. So all the artists can showcase their talents online. And it's the judge, there's only one judge, is the fans. And it's direct communication between the fans and the artist. There's no no, no judge, like, X Factor. Because all these shows, they, they make a lot of money. 
And a lot of times the artists make nothing. So there's yeah. no help through, throughout the, 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 the process. And so in this gonna, situation. Do you, are you going to help like mentor the artist? Are you going to produce a song for the winner? You know what? That's something that we're discussing, you know, like if the, if the artist is really, you know, if the people vote the person, if I, however I can help, I can help, yeah. you know, you know, I just want to make it shorter for them to reach the success than this 15 years that it took me to sleep on floors or travel to country from country to country to country to make it, you know? Yeah. Oh, I just want to make great. it easier. Yeah, well, look, everyone, go check out spotstar.live. I think it launches it launches September, which is very soon. So it, sh- it should be up in a few days. I will have the information in the show notes so you can go and check that out. And Red One, thank you so much for coming on the pod. It was so much fun. And you know, I love hearing about your amazing career and just talking to the person that made all of these hits that I used to write about back when I was doing music blogging. Thank you so much, my brother. It's really beautiful to see you you because i've heard about you and everything but i never you know never (laughs) met so this is a beautiful time to meet you know